Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 plus a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. Gamecocks 107.5 The Game. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you on your Monday morning. Very, very busy weekend in the world of the Gamecocks. And we'll have to go back all the way to Friday, as you guys were talking about it, leading up to the commitment right at about 12 o'clock. But uh, Mazio Bennett has officially joined the Gamecocks as a commit for the 2024 class. Yeah, I mean, uh, the trend here is obvious. Uh, I think, guys, you've got another 2024 guy in the class, another four-star and uh, it, it was anticipated. I mean, we talked about it on Friday. Um, we were nearly talking about him like he was already in the class, I feel like. But um, made it official and obviously was, I mean, Chris, we're talking about something that was maybe two years in the making for, for South Carolina. And I, I think, um, you know, Justin Stepp, that whole crew, they were in on Mazio incredibly early. And kind of looking back, at his recruitment and kind of the timestamp of everything, I would say Carolina, very early on, it seemed like South Carolina had the lead. And you were always sort of wondering, because they got in so early, especially for a Greenville guy, you're wondering, all right, when when does Clemson get involved? Do they offer? And at what point does it become kind of an issue for South Carolina? And when I say that, I mean – some guys, especially when you're talking about that area in the state, you kind of know if Clemson offers, then they're going to have a great shot to land the guy. We sort of heard early on with Mazio, look, you know, he's, he will consider Clemson, but it's not going to be a lock. And then as time went on, I, I think it got less and less likely that Clemson would have been a factor, um, you know, if they got heavily involved. Well, then the whole Tennessee push happens. South Carolina struggling on the field offensively at the time. Tennessee is having a historic season offensively. And he sort of, I would say, gets caught up in that. Commits to Tennessee. Even shortly after the Tennessee commitment, though, we were already hearing 
hey, he may already be looking around. That, I would say, Chris, not coincidentally sort of uh, coincided with South Carolina finding itself on offense. Um, Tennessee getting the break speed off of them by South Carolina right down the road from where we're standing right now. And then it was sort of, I mean, I remember us anticipating the decommitment from Tennessee, and we were already preparing ourselves for a potential direct flip to South Carolina. So it is kind of funny. He was, he is a former Tennessee commitment, but I almost looked at it like he was a Gamecock, and then there was about a three-month window leading up to the Tennessee commitment, then the Tennessee commitment, then you know the time until he decommitted where he was Tennessee, and then he was right back to being pretty much all South Carolina. So it's weird to say South Carolina led for most of the process for a guy who was committed to another school, but I actually do sort of feel like that is the case with Mazio Bennett. Yeah, it was kind of like a little hiccup, bump in the road, a blip on the radar, a hole in the balloon, whatever you may want to say. But, yeah, I mean, they did. I mean, I, I think I mentioned it on Friday, Wes, one of the first times, maybe the first time that we saw Mazio like, in a camp setting. It was my first time. might not have been yours. You know, I feel like it was three years ago, and I think it was. I mean, it was a long time ago where we saw him um, – you know, at that camp, and, and South Carolina had not offered at the time, and we figured that, you know, this was a kid, we knew this was a kid that was going to have a chance to be a higher-level guy, and I, th- shoot, I think he turned out being a little higher level than maybe even I thought. I mean, you, you kind of look at the offer list, you go through, you look at where he's ranked on three consensus rankings. Right now, have him at number 199 nationally and the 20th best athlete in the country, third in the state of South Carolina, so... Um, South Carolina did a really good job from a relationship standpoint here. That Clemson offer, or should we say non-offer, Wes, that to me was kind of interesting. Um, And here's one reason why. Clemson offered and took a commitment from Tyler Brown, who is Mazio's teammate, former teammate at Greenville. Now, a, a couple differences. They're obviously not the same player. They play for the same team, play the same position. Tyler was a senior this year, and it was a later Clemson offer. Um, Tyler Brown did have a good season for Greenville. Um, so did Mazio. Mazio, I think Max Preps has him 47 catches, 857 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Tyler Brown had more receptions, more receiving yardage, and 12 touchdowns. So he had a really good year. Shrine Bowl kid. I think he caught a, a touchdown pass from Lenora Sellers in the Shrine Bowl. Tyler Brown did. Good player. So maybe this was a guy that Clemson, you know, would have gotten to later. But his recruiting process, he was one of these guys that was so, like, advanced in his process to where, as you alluded to, you couldn't you couldn't come in on a guy like this senior year mm-hmm. <laughs> because of his timeline, because of how far down the road he was with everybody. He just he hit the radar really, really early. And, uh, you know, let, let's sort of switch it over him into uh, – you know, talking about him as a player, as a prospect. And, Chris, I I think there's some carryover to what you're saying there as well in that this is a kid, as long as I have known him, um, I mean, I I remember this this is actually it's kind of rare, man. We were at a camp. I don't remember which one it was. It it may, like you said, it may have been like three years ago or or three years this summer. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
I had actually gotten word, you know, hey, watch out for this Mazio Bennett kid. And, um, you know, I was there. It was like teams everywhere. And this uh, this young player just comes up to me and is like, what's up, man? And starts talking. He's like, how you been? And I, I didn't, you know, there's hundreds of kids there. And I didn't even realize who I was talking to at first because, um, you know, he he saw me and was thinking, oh, he knows who I am. I hadn't met him in person yet. And it always just sort of caught me that, all right, this guy knows, you know, I write about recruits, I'm at the media. He took it upon himself to be like, I'm going to go make sure this guy knows who I am. And, you know, I, I've always thought that with Mazio, he's a fairly developed wide receiver for his age because – he, ha- he is the guy who's put in that extra work. He works with a wide receiver trainer in, you know, the Greenville area. He, um, you know, already sort of understands some of the nuance of the position. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to get better. I-, I think the fact that he already is a guy who understands the importance of that stuff and will be working with somebody who th- I think is a really good technician and Justin Stepp, like, it will be a good fit. He will continue to get better. I'm not saying he's reached his potential completely in that there's no upside left because I don't think that's the case. But, you know, we were talking about let's compare it to, say, like a Nicholas Harbor who's going to be playing wide receiver. Nicholas Harbor comes in and you say size, speed, elite of the elite for wide receivers. Like 10 out of 10 as, as top of the chart as you could possibly be. There are no receivers faster than him, and there are no receivers bigger than him when you add in the fact that he's going to be like 230 when he arrives on campus. Um, Mazio, a little bit more of your normal SEC athlete, which is not an insult. It's just Nick Harbour is a unicorn. But Nicholas Harbour has not gone through all your wide receiver training, the stuff on the side, the catch 10,000 balls off a jugs machine. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mazio is more of a guy who is a true wide receiver. He understands some nuance of playing the position, route running, the importance of it. And um, I I think the work ethic of putting in that extra time at the receiver position um, means that he is – fairly well developed for a guy who still only who still has an entire year I should say of high school football left uh on his resume yeah and that work ethic that training just kind of how he conducts himself I mean I think we were talking about this recently how you go and look at NFL games there are obviously receivers that are just flat out more talented faster uh, like Stefan Diggs comes to example I mean he is just faster than everybody, super smooth, but also a technician. But if you look kind of at the best receivers, yeah, they're physically gifted, and I'm talking about college and pros, but they also just understand route running and how to get open, acceleration, deceleration. So it's not always about, you know, you hear a lot about, well, this receiver runs 4-3. Okay, that that is a great, great trait to have. That doesn't in and of itself make you a really good receiver. So you know, with Mazio, this is a kid that was has been productive at the high school level. Um, I think you look at his highlight tape, Wes, 
junior season, first several clips is him blocking, which I think is going to be something that he's not super big receiver. What's five foot eleven, six foot is kind of where he's at. He's not going to be the bulkiest guy. Of course, he can get bigger and stronger at the next level, but he's a kind of a guy that can do a lot of things for you. Um, and still, as you said, has I think he's advanced, you know, in terms of route running and uh, just kind of game IQ, football IQ, blocking. I think for his size, he's he's definitely shown that he's willing to do that, doesn't shy away from it. Kind of has an edge to him, I think, if you watch him play. Even in seven-on-seven, seven, you know, you can watch him play. He's got that competitive edge that you really like to see. Um, so an advanced player from the route running standpoint, football standpoint, but also, you know, some room to go up. So another really good acquisition in this 2024 class for South Carolina first five all four-star guys yeah and and to throw some credit out there I believe Bobby McGowan's was the first guy to put me on Mazio as a hey this is a guy to watch and um, McGowan's works uh, or works out a bunch of guys up in the upstate area is from the EPT family, Ramon Robinson, all that group. Um, he is a former Clemson player, I believe Bobby was. Um, also, I think maybe played at SC State after that. But um, Bobby does a phenomenal job with kids up there and helping develop them and, and helping develop some of those wide receiver skills. Um, you know, for for Mazio. so it's he has earned it. He's earned the uh, the sort of development there that he has gotten already which again you just don't always see that in high school guys and to your point man that's something that was brought up uh, to me by uh, by his coach uh, coach Porter coach Greg Porter he really is a willing blocker and he talked about how you don't always find that in I mean you don't find that honestly in any <laughs> I was about to say in a high school receiver but you don't always find that in receivers across the board, and you certainly don't always find that in your marquee top wide receiver option, four-star guy, um, you know, I'm there to make plays, I'm there to catch the football type guys. The, the fact that he not only is a willing blocker, but seems to enjoy blocking. I mean, we talked about it this past season, how important was perimeter blocking to South Carolina's success on offense. And certainly it's going to be a different offense this year, different scheme, all those things. But um, I, I don't see I don't see that emphasis changing. I, I feel like with Coach Beamer and Step and now, of course, Dow Loggins running things on offense, you're going to continue to see blocking on the perimeter as a huge priority. So you bring in a guy who is willing to do it, is actually good at it already. And um, I, I think – Mazio probably will be in a position again. He's got one more year, so you gotta you gotta project out. But I I actually think you could almost always, if you're making a list of who's gonna play early <laughs> from this 2024 class, um, Mazio's already on there for me, man. Yeah, and I think this is one of those like program fit things where we we'll dive into it on the other side of the break. We gotta go hit a break, but on the other side, Wes, let's talk a little bit more about. Mazio, his fit. This is a guy with a long-standing relationship with the South Carolina coaching staff. More on the other side. Yeah, going to head into our break. But first, I want to remind you guys, tomorrow we're going to have both Nate Atkins and Spencer Rattler in studio. Nate Atkins going to be here from 10 to 11. Uh, Spencer Rattler going to be here from 11 to 12. For the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, make sure you tune in. 
going to have some very interesting conversations with them as we get their uh, insight on what's going on with the Gamecocks football program. We'll be right back on 107.5 The Mix a little sports analysis, pop culture, and great interviews, and you've got the Rich Eisen Show podcast. Brian Cranston, great to see you, man. One of your first gigs was a Preparation H commercial. It's what happened? It's called first... a job, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> I know you haven't been job hunting in a while. <laughs> I was a spokesperson. I wasn't <laughs> afflicted. If yeah. I was afflicted, I would trust you. I would put here. that ointment on and go, here we go. The Rich Eisen Show podcast, wherever you listen. That was the yeah. last time, baby. Ooh, 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 ooh. We'll be back. back. All right, back in on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Uh, before the break there, you guys were getting into the conversation talking about Maisie O'Bennett and his fit with this uh, South Carolina program and, uh, you know, continuing on with the conversation for the first segment. Yeah, long-time target for South Carolina. Um, in-state kid, which, of course... Yeah, you, you always hear, uh, put a fence around the state. You know, like every coach. This is just one of those things you're going to hear. But there's kind of, Wes, we're at a point now, there's some proof in the pudding there with Shane Beamer. I think Friday I gave you the little pop quiz about when the last time South Carolina signed the top three. One I failed. Three prospects. Oh, it's okay. 2017 was the last time. But there's some differences, right? And And South Carolina has not, to be clear, They've not done that yet. They have a really good chance to do it. Right now, Cam Pringle, who's number one with the on-three consensus rankings, committed to South Carolina. Gamecocks lead for Josiah Thompson, the offensive lineman out of Dillon, who's currently number two in the consensus rankings. And then at number three is, of course, Bennett. And so we, we will get back into Bennett. But to double back to that point from Friday, there are some differences, I think. So the 2017 group was, and I think I'm getting the order right, or Trey Smith, Shy Smith, and Brad Johnson. Now, Sounds right. Here's the difference. Clemson didn't recruit any of those guys in 2017. They had offered Shy Smith, but y'all probably remember that Clemson prioritized Amari Rogers in that same class. Not a terrible decision. Amari Rogers was really good. So was, so was Shy Smith. Ortre Smith didn't work out primarily because of the medicals at South Carolina. Um, Clemson didn't make a huge, huge push for him. And I think even nationally, Wes, like regionally, nationally, he had a nice offer list, but he probably wasn't as sought after as Cam Pringle, like on a one-to-one kind of apples-to-apples comparison. Um, Josiah Thompson's certainly been very coveted by Clemson and a bunch of others, so is Pringle. And then you go down to Brad Johnson, Brad was, I think, like South Carolina, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, some other schools like that. And so you look at Macy O'Bennett, his offer list, where he's been, who's been pursuing him. Yeah, no no Clemson offer, but a bunch of other ones, right, on that list. So this is kind of like from an offer standpoint, a more impressive haul, I think, if South Carolina can land all three. Yeah, I mean, you and you have you have Alabama heavily involved with these guys. I. That was the school. I mean, Tennessee obviously ended up being the biggest competition just because, you know, proof is in the pudding there. He, he committed to Tennessee. But I thought when Alabama offered Mazio that that was going to be the team that pre- presented the biggest competition for South Carolina. Uh, you look at Josiah, Alabama heavily involved there as well. And um, Eric Wolford, by the way, 
Um, by the way, Eric Wolford has now offered Josiah Thompson at three different schools. Think about that for a second. Is that a record? No. Probably sure. not, but it's it's got to be encroaching. Like, it's got to be approaching a record, I think. So, three... If he, he, just, he just walks into his school every year and has on a new uniform. <laughs> I almost would love for Wolf to go to another school just to offer him at a fourth. And then he'll take another NFL job yes. and draft him. Draft him. Josiah uh, just walks in. He's like, I cannot escape you. Come on, Coach. You're wearing a Panthers hat now. But um, So, Josiah, I, I think I think it's going to be interesting, Chris, to see how this thing shakes out as far as the numbers go, like the rankings go. Um, here's what Carolina needs. They need for the public rankings to sync up with what you would assume are currently they are their in-house rankings because right now they have offers out for 2024 for in-state to Cam Pringle, Josiah Thompson, Mazia Bennett, Kelvin Hunter, and then Blake Franks. I think that is it. Um, for 2024 in state right now, Chris. If you look at the own three consensus, so ev- everybody pretty much kind of agrees that Pringle, Thompson, and Bennett are top three. It's after that that things get interesting. The consensus actually has Trayvon Dunbar, uh, the Midland Valley running back, as fourth, and then has Troy Stevenson, the kid from Philip Simmons High School down in Charleston, as fifth and Blake Franks as sixth. Own three, which has its own set of rankings, actually has Kelvin Hunter fourth and as a four-star guy. I think that syncs up a little bit more with what South Carolina has in place. Troy Stevenson fifth. You actually have to go all the way down to ninth for Blake Franks um, in state. But depending on how the rankings sync up in the end, Chris, they could potentially land the top five prospects in the state of South Carolina, and I believe at the very least are in a position to go five for five on who they have offered in-state, which is probably more important, but certainly it would make a great recruiting graphic to say <laughs> that you landed the top five prospects. Again, as of right now, on three has Kelvin Hunter fourth. So they're in a position to land. I, I mean, I think they lead for, for Hunter. Like, you think that's safe to say? I do. I think they lead for Hunter. Um, he probably hasn't been talked about enough by fans, in my opinion. Pretty pretty good player, man. Um, again, on three, hasn't been a four-star guy. But uh, could go four for four. And then you have Blake Franks out there, who I think will have a chance to rise, continue to rise in the rankings as well. Perception matters. And I think that's the kind of thing that gets the attention of even just your casual college football observers. I love the point you made about it being even more important to get who you wanted in mm-hmm. the class. Now, one caveat. Get who you wanted, yes, as long as you hit those evaluations and don't miss any notable guys that you should have offered in-state. So, so here's one I go to. Like 2020, we were able to look back on that and say South Carolina got who they wanted in state because they did. They got Jordan Birch, Luke Doty, Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway, Tyshawn Wanamaker, Trey Jones, Jakari Caldwell, and OD Fortune. Nice haul out of the state. However, they didn't offer Jalen Hyatt. Darn. 
Mm. So you get dinged for that a little bit, right? Or you get ding, you get dinged for it a lot. Let's put it that way. Uh, otherwise, you know, really good haul. And so when you're looking at 24, you know, w- or when we look back on it in a few years, we'll of course assess whether or not they should have offered, you know, somebody. It could end up being a guy, you know, like the corner from from the Low Country, you know, um, Troy Stevenson, you know, that some people are talking about, or maybe not, but. So far, they are certainly on track, you know, to be able to get the guys that they want out of the state, which is which is huge. They're going to have to couple that with their efforts in some other places that we'll get into, like the DMV, for example. Yeah, one of my favorite things about tracking this stuff is kind of tracking who who is the guy that blows up in camp, who's the guy that does not have an offer right now, or maybe isn't even really known at this point, but pops up is not really on the recruiting radar yet, but just uh, kind of blows up in the camp setting and gets an offer, or even, you know, doesn't really blow up, but still internally, Nicky Mawori, for example, <laughs> internally, South Carolina's going, why does this guy not have 25 offers? Because he probably should have. And, and, and then you sign him. So I think always important to pick the right guys, to your point, Chris, in-state and there are some guys already that are out there that the names are known where, hey, this could be a possibility. And then there's always a guy or two that just pops up um, and, and maybe is on a list somewhere in that building down the road but just hasn't really gotten the publicity he eventually will outside of the building. I'll tell you what, man, there's a guy number 10 in the state on on threes rankings that I don't know if anybody's talking about but is intriguing on size alone. Local guy. Dakari Sumter at Richland Northeast, or excuse me, at Lower Richland. Kid's 6'8", 320. <laughs> Offensive tackle prospect. Um, I believe Kentucky was kind of sniffing around a little bit, looking around, seeing what's up there. <laughs> Maybe a guy to keep an eye on down the road. As you mentioned, Troy Stevenson already, I mean, Troy Stevenson already got some really nice offers. Jordan Boyd. Silver Bluff, kind of a linebacker, edge-type guy. Um, there, there are some some other guys to keep an eye on in this state that could eventually get offers or, at the very least, are, are going to play, you know, FBS football somewhere. Uh, going into a timeout quickly on the Firehouse t- Subs text line, 803-404-6100. You have Matthew asking, do we know when the Blake Franks announcement is going to be? Details on that. We do not know. Um February is what has been mentioned. Okay. And uh that but that could change as well. Um it's just going to depend on if the kid is really 100% confident and ready to make a decision. Um February is definitely what has been floated out there, but we'll see if that remains the case. But but no actual date as of right now. Gotcha. All right, got to hit another break. Continue rolling with the Firehouse uh, or the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 1075 The Game. Back on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you. Reminder, tomorrow, again, Nate Atkins will be in the studio from 10 to 11. Spencer Rattler will be with us from 11 to 12 for the Takeover Hour. And, guys, given how much we talk about Firehouse Subs, they're definitely going to need to go after they're on with us and get a sub of the day tomorrow. Maybe we can provide that, Chris. Um, Tomorrow will be Turkey Bacon Ranch Day. I'm starting to get these locked in my head. But today... Meatball Monday. 
you want to go check that out, firehousesubs.com. My favorite thing to do, though, Chris, is rapid rescue. I live about 15 minutes away from the studio. I drive right by the Garners Ferry Firehouse Sub uh, place. If I do a rapid rescue either on my phone or on my computer right before I leave, it quite literally will be waiting on me. I'll grab it. I'll run out the door. I'll be right back at my house in the office eating a sub and bringing the news of Gamecock football <laughs> to the masses. Uh, the sub of the day is what? A medium for seven ninety nine. Yep. correct? Small for five ninety nine. Don't stay away from the small. Yeah, Just go, get the medium. go medium. No matter where you're at in Columbia, I promise you there's a firehouse subs. Probably in walking distance at this point, honestly, but definitely in short drive distance. Um, Chris, let's talk about the Senior Bowl for a moment. Mm-hmm. Everywhere I looked this week, which by everywhere I looked, I mean on Twitter, <laughs> Darius Rush clips were just popping up out of the ether of him just locking people down. Full disclosure, I am an incredibly biased <laughs> Darius Rush um, fan. Just admit it. Put it out there. But by all indications from people who are not as biased as I am, Darius had a phenomenal week. And I believe it's kind of like the Shrine Bowl in that uh, what you do during the week of practice, from what I've heard, is actually even far more valuable or looked at than what the actual game is. The game is a fun thing at the end of the week for the guys. And, yeah, if you have a huge game, I'm sure that helps. But you're taking rep after rep after rep against your peers, against other guys who are entering the NFL draft. That is invaluable. It's invaluable as a learning tool. It's invaluable as additional tape. But it's even more invaluable if you're Darius Rush or Zach Pickens, for that matter, and you get named the practice player of the week for your position as voted on by the guys who actually had to go against you in practice all week long. Um, I think Darius Rush is making a push at really capping off his story at Carolina with a great ending in where he could potentially get drafted. Yeah, he was out there. Harkening back to his wide receiver days and how he's running routes for people out there. Looked like he had, you know, the book on him. Knew exactly what they were going to run. Great week for him. Um, got got a couple notes on Pickens, actually, too, Wes. Make sure, we, make sure we hit those. But Darius has been an awesome story, man. Like, I mean, you remember, we saw him in camp. This young, like, lanky, like, athlete. It's kind of is kind of just what he was, and I remember hearing some feedback on his performance from some people around the program. Of man, this Darius Rush kid, like here are his numbers, like he's not there yet, but we we gotta take this guy. And so they take him as a receiver. I will say he was one of my guys. I I can't credit myself cause since I do try to turn every receiver into a DB just about, but I did like him as a DB. But another whiff for me, I kind of liked him as a safety. So he's just as it turned out, a big corner. But his progression has been awesome. And coming into this year, I know we were talking before the 2022 season, Wes, and then like in the early part of the of the season, his senior year, 
where you're like, he has played himself into an NFL guy, mm-hmm. and that's probably going to be a draft pick, but if not, he's going to stick with the roster. Like, he's going to make a roster. He's probably going to play several years in the league because he's got size. He's put on. He's put some good tape in college. He's a great kid, and he can be an asset for you on special teams. So he's going to be a really valuable guy. Well, now he's, like, leveled that up. Now he's gone from, you know, maybe, like, He'll, he'll probably get drafted. Now he's like a mid-round guy, it seems like. He's kind of the, – the word I got last week, and this is before he got that award, was probably like fourth or fifth round. Maybe he can do even better than that, which is awesome for him. You love to see it. I, I don't want to lean too far into it, man, but <laughs> I, I really think he could go higher than that. Yeah. And, and that is – I'm saying that completely from a South Carolina perspective. Like, I am not a draft guru by any means whatsoever. But – I'll say this, man. the The word that Darius Rush and his uh, family and his um, people were being told was, um, you know, and I, I did that piece on Gamecock Central about his decision to not play in the bowl game. And as I was gathering that information for that, I was privy to some of what they were being told in terms of projections, and the scouting community sort of sees Darius Rush as a guy, you you look immediately, you see the length. Like, the length is going to be something that NFL teams love at the cornerback position. And he actually, again, this is just based on the feedback, not my opinion, he was able to put a lot on film this year that teams like. He's going to check all the boxes from a character standpoint. And you talked about it, the special teams impact as well. You can stay in the league for a long time by being a great, willing special teams player. And I, I think he will do that as well. But the difference in hundreds of thousands of dollars in signing bonus actually will be what does he run at these at the combine and these pro days. It is basically what they were told. Like told that was the that's kind of the final piece of the puzzle. Now I would I would think a week excelling at the Senior Bowl probably factors into that as well. That wasn't even really part of the equation at the time. We were having this conversation two months ago. But you've got to think that factors in. And then I saw this uh, tweet, I assume it's correct, from a guy by the name of Dane Brugler. Top eight fastest players clocked during Senior Bowl practice. And Darius got uh, clocked at 21.65 miles per hour. That was the fastest. Um, And Dane credits Zebra technology. I don't really know what that is. But um, I know that 21.65 is hauling. He was the fastest player, period? Fastest corner. Fastest player. Fastest player clocked during the practices um, as of February 2nd. If he he goes... And has a great pro day. I'm so fired up. I'm knocking stuff over. If he goes, didn't, and has, didn't I get you that cup as a gift? Yeah, you did. It's a very nice cup. It or it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was it, empty, by the way. If he goes, if he go, it was empty. If he goes and runs very well at pro day, you're right. Like, I mean, he can go. He's gonna do all the all the drills. People are gonna watch him do all the drills. Whatever. You know, we don't really care about that. Like, we see the tape. We're going to see him move around. Really, it's going to be about what he runs. And 
if he goes out and does that at the combine pro day and puts down a great time, watch out. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, last text I got from a guy who's tied into scouting, he has him as a as a fourth round pick right now, which is grown. That, yeah, that's still that's still moving in the right up. direction. Um, was hearing fifth round before the Senior Bowl, so now he's moved up basically around in people's minds. That's that's solid because you can see people slip, you can see him go up. Um, if a guy who's over six foot with that length, two hundred pounds with that tape can go and run a really good time at Pro Day and the Combine, then he's going to have a chance to go even higher. Text I got said, you know, he could he could slide into three, which would be significant for him. Zach Pickens, like, with Zach Pickens, he could end up going even, like, second round because there's a little bit more of a supply-demand issue. Uh, there's mm-hmm. there's apparently a few more corners this year than D-linemen in terms of quality, but Zach Pickens had a really good week, too. Is Zach probably a three technique guy at the NFL level? Is that yeah? Is that is that locked in or is that a we'll see? Um, I don't know. I I just asked because I was reading this thing about how more and more defenses are being maybe built around the idea of having really good three technique. But um, Fletcher Cox is a guy that I've heard Zach compared to. And and they are that's a compliment. That's a great compliment. And it's very similar like size, like body types. Pretty yeah. similar. Yeah. Um with Darius, I mean I th- I think at that point too, about you know, you're talking about him being a fourth rounder now, potentially sliding into the third round. At some point when you kind of start getting down to picking the actual round, it's kind of about who likes you. Which you know, which team, which scouts, and then what needs do they have, and then what picks do they have near where it makes sense, you know, or can they trade up or trade back to make it make sense? Because you're talking about so many variables. It's it's not just a oh you are a late third round pick, so that's your value, so that's where you're gonna go. <laughs> it's gonna depend on is there a team within that range to where they're going to feel like they're getting good value. And if not, are they able to move up or down to, to make it work? I, I did think it was interesting, Darius Rush uh, basically being quoted as uh, it being surreal to meet Mike Tomlin, who, of course, is the Steelers' head coach and actually a very direct Gamecock influence there in that Grady Brown is still the cornerback's coach with the Steelers and um, would still have some level of connection to being able to get information from this program. So I, I don't know, not saying it'll get drafted by the Steelers. I don't know what their needs are, but that did catch my attention as um, something to maybe keep an eye on. All right, going to run into our last timeout, come back and wrap up the Monday edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you, 107.5 The Game. Back out on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse. A few more minutes to go here. Tyler West and Chris along with you. As I've talked about several times this morning, we are going to have Nate Atkins in studio tomorrow from 10 to 11, as well as Spencer Rattler from 11 to 12. Guys, what can you uh, expect to get into with those two guys tomorrow? 
Well, they're going to have to tune in to find out, I think. But I will say this, man. Nate has gone, has like quickly morphed into being one of the guys. I think most fans and I would probably say even staff is going to most miss from this year's team going into next year. I, I mean, was phenomenal down the stretch for South Carolina. I've actually asked, is there any way this guy has a year of eligibility like laying around somewhere? You know, these days, guys play for nine years sometimes. So I, I was wondering if maybe Nate had some prior injury that hadn't been officially, you know, documented or something he could fall back on. But all indications are that his career is at South Carolina is over. But, I, I mean, I look forward to hearing from him, him talking about his development, him talking about what he is doing to get ready for the draft. Chris, I think Nate Atkins could quietly be a guy that finds a home and and sticks around in the NFL. And then, of course, it'll always be good to hear from Spencer. He'll be good for a soundbite or two, I'm sure. Looking forward to hearing, you know, maybe what Spencer thinks of some of these newcomers. They're sp- Now, they're, they are split up in terms of when they do workouts, for those who don't know. So there, there are different groups you work out as far as your strength training, off-season training. Um, but I'm sure they've thrown some some passes with the some of the new guys. Um, Eddie Lewis, for example, we haven't heard from Spencer since he arrived. So I, I think there's plenty for fans to tune in and, and hear. And I actually would like to open things up <laughs> on our YouTube. You know, maybe we even take some calls potentially. And uh, wh- whatever you want to hear from Spencer and Nate, let's uh, let's let the people in on this. Yes, the people, whatever you want to hear, let us know. Hit us up. Twitter, GC Chris Clark, West Mitchell GC, Firehouse Subs text line. You can let us know what you want to hear. Go ahead and send in your submissions to Tyler today or tomorrow while we're in here. Yeah, Nate is an interesting one, Wes, because I don't know if anybody's really expecting slash talking about him, maybe even getting to – like, would you be shocked if you hear Nate Atkins call during the draft? I would not. Mm. I would not be shocked. He is going to get – he's going to be in a training camp for NFL, like there's basically no chance that he's just sitting at home while NFL training camp's going on. In some form or fashion, whether he's drafted, preferred free agent, tryout, it's going to be something. And he can do a lot for you. You know, you mentioned the special teams. He could be a tight end. He could be a fullback. Um, something else to keep in mind, long snapping. Um He's actually been working on it in the offseason. We'll get him to talk about that a little bit. He was the backup long snapper at East Tennessee and actually worked on it some at practice at South Carolina, but they obviously were had an established guy there. So, Chris, uh, Chris sort of just uh, stealing my thunder on my Carolina Confidential for later today. I'm sorry. It's okay. But that's, that's a good note. Really I, I, I want to ask him about that, actually. I think um, that's a very – what would you say, forgotten part of the game? That having someone who can consistently mm-hmm. – and the the thing about a long snapper is, man, you you can't miss. I've, I'd like to make it in the NFL as a long snapper. Like, even 99 out of 100 isn't good enough. Like, the long snappers in the NFL – seriously, you don't even think about – when's yeah. the last time a ball went over a punter's head – in an NFL game. It doesn't it, happen it a lot. It does I mean, not have. 
every now and then you'll see one get bounced, like short hopped. But, man, you got to be consistent to be a long snapper. But doesn't it seem like tight ends are pretty good body type and athleticism level for that? I, I could see that being a factor. Yeah, I remember that dude from the Giants messed up the snap in the playoffs that year. And, like, it's still talked about a ton. Like, I feel like in college – you would, like, talk about it, but not as much. Like, it wouldn't be this national storyline of God messed the snap up. It's just crazy, you know. You're expected to be able to do, and long snapping is not basic. It's very, very, very difficult. But as far as the NFL goes, it's considered, you know, more of a basic skill. You know, you get the snap there. Some guys faster than others, whatever it may be, but you get it there. So, having a, but again, I mean, the more things you can do, to go back to the point about Nate, more things you can do that translate to the NFL, the the better equipped you're going to be to survive. We've seen guys get drafted just because they're good special teams players, and that's it. And so Nate, with his skill set, blocking, catching, um, special teams, throw in the snapping ability, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot there to like. So we'll get into him, uh, more of his preparations for the draft, more Spencer Rattler tomorrow. I, I was actually thinking one of the more famous ones. Uh-huh was actually that Michigan, Michigan State end. But oh, that that was ooh. really more of the punter the punter sort of just dropped Kinda it. Kind of just dropped it. Like it was it was not quite a perfect snap, but it was not it didn't bounce. Like you gotta that was with come up with that. The, that was literally with what, less than ten seconds to go. The, That's, the punter's terrified face was an all time sports gift. <laughs> like he realized what he had done and just like that panic. And then yeah, the because Michigan State Recovered in the end zone for the touchdown to win, I believe. Yes, that, they did. That I think was, that was Harbaugh's first year, 2015. That was the, uh, I think it was Sean McDonough had a incredible call on that play. Voice crack. Yes. <laughs> Just when you think you've seen it all. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it'll be fun uh, to talk about all types of things tomorrow. Yeah, give me an exciting conversation. Again, Nate Atkins in from 10 to 11. Spencer Rattler will be here from 11 to 12 at the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. That'll do it for the Monday edition. Be back with you guys tomorrow. Halftime show with Jay coming up next on 107.5 The Game. Conspiracy theories. Paranormal. UFOs. During the entire 1971 debacle of this red dye number two, parents all around America were buying Frankenberry. So only a few days after the cereal was released, kids all across the country started being rushed to hospitals. All of them had one symptom in common. Theories of the Third Kind on YouTube or wherever you listen. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.